What's going on, Fantasy Alarm Nation? Super Bowl week is upon us for Super Bowl 57. My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells and Ryan Hallam. It's the family meetup every single week, the Family Times podcast. Guys, I'm really excited for this game between the Chiefs and the Eagles. I think what you're getting is a nice high-powered offense versus one of the best defenses on the other side. Another team, by the way, with Jalen Hurts, who's been one of the biggest talks of the season with his rushing upside, with what he could do on the ground. A lot of unique factors playing into this game. We got to talk about some props. We got to make some predictions, talk some expectations, maybe even the halftime show if we like Rihanna. And let's talk with Rihanna's biggest fan, Ryan Hallam. What's going on, Hallam? Getting my yeah. umbrella. Uh, yeah, I don't know any song. Although we talked a little bit before. I guess I do know a couple songs. I just don't know them by title or that she sings them. So I guess I, I do know them. I am, you know, always looking forward to the Super Bowl because of the fanfare and the get-together and the food and fun and football, of course. But I'm not excited. God, I just... It's not that the teams are bad. I think it will be a fun game. I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's not like 16-13. That would be terrible. But... I certainly have a bad, as discussed last week, still a bad taste in my mouth about the NFC Championship game and also who won the AFC Championship game. So this is not my favorite two teams, but the Super Bowl is always a good watch. What about you, Cells? Are you a little bit more excited than the lowest possible level on the bar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not like tripping over the bar. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about this one. I think it's a pretty good matchup. Um, my wife is a... Uh, Commanders, formerly Redskins, formerly Washington football team fan. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's rough. And so her next favorite team from the NFC East is the Eagles, actually. Um, How does I, that work? I don't know. Because she, rivals. she liked Donovan McNabb. I, okay. Okay. Like that's... She, And she likes Andy Reid, who's now obviously in Kansas City. So... You know, she's pretty happy about it. I'm at this point a pseudo Chiefs fan, I guess. I mean, I've been out in the in their viewing area for like 18 years at this point. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a pretty good, I think it's a pretty good matchup. I find it very uh, interesting to break down. We got high powered defense, high powered offense, um, and we'll see if the Chiefs defense can show up for one game because if they can show up for one game then this this is really going to be spectacular so um yeah i i don't know what to make of the halftime shows anymore we were talking before that like we'd rather they just sing like uh four songs and then be done with it instead of like trying to cram everybody on the planet on stage and doing memeable moments like weekend getting lost in the lights and Whatever else. Oh, but it's the sizzle factor, Cells. It's the great spectacular. My other other issue is that, like, since Janet Jackson had that incident, like, what, 20 years ago now, um, we can't have Rihanna reenacting the music video for Stay where she was in a bathtub. Um, Oh, who cares about that at this point? Honestly. Whatever. It was a wardrobe mishap. Who cares? I know, I'm just saying, but because of that, we now can't have Rihanna reenact the 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 video for Stay, the song she sings. She's in a bathtub singing her heart out, right? That would be fun to see on TV. Can <laughs> that's, on, that's, a, that's on a different channel, Matt. <laughs> I'm just saying, it would have been nice, but no, now she's just going to like play 30 seconds of one song and 30 seconds of another song, and I don't know. 
I'll probably tune it out for about 25. Can we get Celebrity Deathmatch back? Wow. And, uh, speaking of another channel, one I that used that to show, show music videos. Can we get Celebrity Deathmatch back for the halftime? Because when I was a kid, we would just turn to MTV for the halftime and mm. watch, like, Celebrity Deathmatch Royal Rumble. <laughs> what was his name? I'm Johnny U with my broadcast partner, Neil Diamond, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was phenomenal. I think we need to get that back. Oh, that was... Ryan, you ever watch Celebrity Deathmatch? Yeah, I know. I was just going to say, they brought Beavis and Butthead back. You never know. It could be anything. Or even Bud Bowl. That was even fun with a little Budweiser. You guys might be too young for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to turn on the Puppy Bowl. That's before, oh. isn't it? That's yeah. what, I think it's yeah no. because is it before or is it during the halftime show? It's generally before because my dog goes nuts for it. So we usually <laughs> watch it in DVR. She's like all over the TV. There's like nose prints on the TV. I'm like, if you knock this TV off of this stand, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> so yeah, it's usually before. They might do something at halftime too, but it's generally during the day and we DVR it for the dog. Which is, I can't believe I just said that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this here with the halftime show. Going back to that. I, I just don't understand, guys, and this is the conversation we keep referring to. I don't understand why we have to keep building on top of everything else. And we can't just be happy that Rihanna is essentially like she's been kind of out of the limelight for the last few years now, kind of making this grand return and everything. Why? why that's not good enough. Like, seriously, you have to make sure you're adding two or three artists. You've got to do the overproduction. What happened to the music being good enough? Let's appreciate the artist. I think it was Coldplay, honestly, because remember that year it was Coldplay and like everyone's like, this is going to suck. And then they pulled in Beyonce and like 14 other people because they thought Coldplay was going to suck. And I feel like ever since then, like a couple years ago when it was Snoop and Eminem and Dr. Dre and Kendrick Lamar, we knew it was going to be like a whole group. I thought that was really good. But right. I don't know if it, like I feel like Cold, when the year was Coldplay and they like pulled in everyone else that week. Uh, I feel like maybe that was was part of it. Like the year they had Katy Perry would have just been fine. Like the Katy Perry year was good. I thought she was fine. She she had a lot of different sets and everything like that to go along with it. A lot of different scenes for different parts of the songs. I thought that was fine. Yeah, Left Shark for life. <laughs> Absolutely. So guys, let's let's start by going over the basics here. Who's winning this game? The Eagles are favored by a point and a half. You have to assume now, two weeks removed, that Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, with whatever injuries they're facing, because I don't believe that Patrick Mahomes has a high ankle sprain. I think it's just a normal ankle sprain that was in pain during the AFC Championship, and that's it, high ankle sprain. You can't really move as well as he was able to move here. So assuming that both of these guys are healthy going in, I mean, what do you think sells – who is winning this game? You've been doing the game previews all year long on FantasyAlarm.com. Who's winning Super Bowl 57? I think it comes down to the Chiefs defense, to be perfectly honest. If the Chiefs defense can muster any sort of stopping of the Eagles' rushing attack and can contain um, Jalen Hurts' rushing efforts, I think this game is pretty close. If the Chiefs defense does not... Um, do very well against the various rushers for the Eagles, whether it be Jalen Hurts or, um, you know, Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell. Um, 
I don't know how they keep that. Like, because here's the thing. Juju Smith-Schuster is still questionable. Kadarius Tony is still questionable. Whether they'll play, I don't know. I would like to assume that they would try. But if they're not 100%, then the Eagles' three top corners are in a big advantage. Um, Miko Hardman, I believe, is not going to play, if I heard that correctly. Um, they put him back on IR, yeah. Yeah, they put yep. him back on IR, and the Eagles can stop the rushing attack well enough that Pacheco may not find enough room to really make a difference on the ground. So I I think this game pivots on the Chiefs' defense. It was the worst of the playoff defenses when it was 16. You know, when everybody made the playoffs, it was still the worst uh, defense. Um, so, um, you know, I think... I think that's what it comes down to. I actually agree 100% with Matt, uh, everything you just said, really. I mean, because you talk, you know, we preface this by saying it's a high-powered offense against a high-powered defense, but the Eagles have a pretty damn high-powered offense, too. Uh, You know, they haven't really been tested the last two weeks going into the playoffs, and they kind of limped in with that last game against the Giants and the two games with Gardner Minshew. But let's not remember, you know, forget the first 14 weeks of the season where they were just rolling over everyone. And, and, uh, you know, like Matt said, the, the question marks at the chiefs wide receivers who already, you know, aren't mega stars anyway. Um, but Darius Slay and James Bradbury, and even Avante Maddox are really good corners. Chiefs could be down with Legereus Sneed. He's still in concussion protocol. If he's yeah. out too, that's really going to hurt. Then they're, relying on two corners that are like rookies and second year guys, Trent McDuffie and uh, Jalen Watson. So uh, I th- you seem to be there's always, there's, there's, always, there's always the Patrick Mahomes factor like, that, that will probably keep it close. Uh, I do think the Eagles will win. Um, but, you know, I think if it's going to be one sided and by one sided, I mean, 10 points or more, I can't see a blowout like Tampa Bay did a couple years ago. Uh, but I think it's going to be 10 points or more. It'll probably be on Philly's side. Other than that, I think it should be a pretty close one. Yeah. A couple of things on Legereus Steve. When he got injured in the AFC Championship game, they mentioned he had played 96% of defensive snaps for the Chiefs prior to him getting hurt. So that's clearly a, you know, <laughs> a locked-in starter that's that may not, may not go. One thing I will say about the Chiefs' offense and – being essential, I don't want to say matchup proof because they did lose a few times and a few defenses did manage to slow them down. But I will say that uh, last week I wrote a piece uh, about a prop that will both will we see both teams score in every quarter of the game? Right? Odds are probably not. Um, but. In, in referencing this, I wanted to see just how close teams came. Well, in 17 in all of the regular season games and postseason games for the Chiefs, they have scored in at least three quarters of every single game. They've scored in four quarters, I think, f- six times. The Eagles, on the other hand, have only managed to score in at least three quarters eight times this year. So you can have periods where you shut them down um, and there was some pretty okay defenses that were doing that. So again, though, I, I still think it's going to come down to if, um, the chiefs defensive line can stop the Eagles rushing attack, then this game is close. 
Now, let me ask you this, and I don't know if you looked into it. Was a lot of it the Eagles didn't score in the fourth quarter because they were already up like 31 to 6? No, there were, there were games where, like, for example, they beat they scored 24 points against – and I, I have to go back and, and check this. Let me see if I can pull it up right now. Maybe against the um, – uh, they scored like 24 or 27 points. Oh, I think it was the first game against Washington. Yeah, they beat the they beat the Commanders 24 to 8 in that game. They scored 24 points in the second quarter. They didn't score again. And the Commanders scored 8 points in the fourth quarter cuz they scored a touchdown and a two-point conversion. But like they put up 24 points in one quarter and then it's not like they backed off. It was yeah. they they're just they seem to be a spurty Offensive, that's a word. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a word or not, but like... Spurty. They just go on spurts. I like that. Um, so it's a little hard to tell exactly like when they're going to have a spurt, but it was just interesting to see... Um, like the game against the Vikings early in the season when they won 24-7... to there was no scoring by either team in the second half of that game. It was 24-7 at halftime, and that's what it ended. So it's kind of a, a hit-and-miss offense for the Eagles, if we can call it that, after scoring 470-something points this year. I got one thing between what both of you just said, because, Sells, it just it seems like you ultimately, right now, you're siding on Kansas City's end of it. Ryan, you seem, as you said, you think that Philly's going to win this game. One of the things that you said, Ryan, makes me a little bit fearful of Philly because if you would ask me when we were making our predictions on the site about who was going to win what playoff game and how far everyone was going to go, I would have said the Eagles, no question, if I knew or you said, hey, if this is what it's going to end up being because I had Bills versus Eagles in my predictions on the site. But the one thing, Ryan, that you said – that really stands out to me, which is what's stopping me, what's making me a little bit fearful of the Eagles. The lack of competition. That's the problem. We're talking about now four weeks because you've got to include these last two weeks as well because it takes it does take you out of game flow. We're talking about weeks without competition for the Eagles here where the Chiefs, you know what their offense can bring. Now, I go back to, and I wrote a little content piece about this, about first half point props in previous Super Bowls. And in their last Super Bowl, there really wasn't a lot of score. There wasn't much scoring at all in the first half of that game. And then all of a sudden, the Chiefs in the fourth quarter exploded. And that's how it ended with the Chiefs. So I think about that. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, I just believe in Kansas City's offense with what we're seeing. I'm the one that's saying I don't think Patrick Mahomes has a true high ankle sprain. Even though he's limping, he's moving around too well to have a high ankle sprain, an injury that's normally four to six weeks. I just feel if there's anyone that could break through a good defense, it's this guy. And I'm siding with the Chiefs now over this. I just feel that between the Eagles' lack of competition – Believing Mahomes isn't as injured as it's being put out as he is. He's had weeks to further let his body be preserved. I'm giving it to the Chiefs by an edge. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, too. And I'm going to bring up a prop in a few minutes that indicates why. Well, um, I'll, I'll say the competition is, you know, questionable. I mean, 
All right, the 49ers defense had to take every chance they could and, you know, had all kinds of penalties called against them and everything. They're still a pretty good defense. The defense didn't have the injury. It was the quarterback who had the injury. And they still, I mean, by the end, they put up 31 points. But they were moving the ball in the, in the first half against their defense fairly well. And they just blew the doors off the Giants. I mean, granted, were the Giants the greatest playoff team? No, but their, their defense was okay. And they just, just got completely obliterated. So... I don't know if it was just so much as the – I don't know. Because, you know, we went in the playoffs and you're like, oh, can the Eagles just turn it back on? Because, you know, fifth, uh, week 16 and 17 was Gardner Minshew and week 18 Hurts just barely, you know, did enough to get home field. Uh, but the fact that they just obliterated really the two teams in the playoffs, I don't know that they're that bad. It's not like they beat well Houston. So well, we're talking I, about playoff teams here, so we right, got to yeah. give them credit. I mean, they're, they're in the playoffs. I'll also bring this too. Let me bring this up quickly, Sells as well. Mahomes as well. Maybe this also comes into factor as well. He's experienced in this big game. I mean, everybody in the world, in the sports world, people don't give a damn about sports watching this game. Mahomes has the reps when it comes to this stage. This is a stage unlike any other. Something I feel like when it comes to sports, because we're so engulfed in the stats and the fantasy sports angles of it, you forget though this this game being watched by everybody there, commercials being sold for millions of dollars to air just a couple of times. Mahomes has reps in this department, and Andy Reid, and the Chiefs coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I mean they got obliterated by the Bucks, but the offensive line just couldn't do anything. That that was the whole reason they could they got killed. Mahomes just never had a chance. Right, and and. But to Fenstey's point about the competition, I think he's talking about the defense. Because if you go through the Eagles' entire schedule, they didn't exactly face a murderer's row of quarterbacks and offenses. Like, they played Jared Goff in week one and allowed 35 points to the Lions' offense. Then they played Kirk Cousins. Sure, it's, you know, Cousins puts up numbers, but in key spots, he's iffy, right? Um, Commanders, Jags, yeah, sure, they played Kyler Murray, okay, but the first time they played the Cowboys, Dak was hurt, so they got Cooper Rush, they got rookie quarterbacks for the Steelers, then they played the Texans, then the Commanders didn't have a quarterback by the second time they played them, the Colts were a disaster when they played in week 11, that was the first week of Jeff Saturday's deal, or the last time their previous coach, whatever it was, um, Sure, they played Aaron Rodgers. Okay, that's a second-quality quarterback. <laughs> the Titans, they run the ball. It's Derrick Henry, right? Like, does it matter if Ryan Tannehill is in is in the backfield? No, not really. The Giants, they blew the doors off of them the first time. The Bears were Justin Fields and nobody else. Then the second time they played the Cowboys, it was Dak, and they lost. They allowed 40 points to the Dak-led Cowboy. Then they played nobody at quarterback for the Saints. The Giants finished the season and didn't play Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley because they had no nothing to gain. Then when they did play their starters, the Giants were terrible. And then I'm sorry again, Brian, but the Niners didn't have a quarterback. So they haven't played any competent offenses basically all season at the time that they played them. The Niners before that were very competent, right? But like they had they didn't play Dak twice. They didn't play like if you look at the Chiefs, 
their offense, like their defensive stats aren't great, but they also played Josh Allen twice. They've played Joe Burrow twice. They've played, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence when they were, when they had won eight straight games. Okay. Like the Chargers twice with Justin Herbert. They played the Niners when they were rolling on, on offense. So like, so they had McCaffrey for four, three days. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like the difference between the quarterbacks that they put, they actually played Trevor Lawrence twice, by the way, because they played him in the regular season and they played him in the playoffs. So I think that's the difference there in terms of, yeah, if you're going to downplay Kirk Cousins, then you got to downplay Justin Herbert because he did not have a good season. No, that's okay. Fair. I understand what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I, I just think. I mean, these aren't guys we've never heard of. If Darius Slay's an all-pro, James Bradbury's had a great career. Son Reddick is, like, on another planet by himself right now. I mean, they have quality players. It's not like... I'm not saying the Eagles' defense is craptastic and it's all inflated. They're very good. But I'm just saying, like, is there a chance that their defense, if they had played, if if the schedules were flipped... I think both teams could have a top 10 defense. Well, and I think I've said this before on this show. I think part of the Chiefs defense problem is the other team is always behind. So they're always throwing. So I think that, that you know, the Chiefs gave up the most passing touchdowns in the NFL this year. I think a lot of that's because they're always up 21 nothing, and the other team has to throw. You know, well, you're, like you said earlier with the Eagles, you know, it's 24-8 at halftime. You know, that's not a complete blowout. Uh, so maybe the other team's trying to keep their game plan. I, I I definitely think, and the Chiefs' defense, let's be honest, has been on point in the playoffs and you know towards the end of the season. So I think they're peaking at the right time. Uh, you know, I just I don't see it being a blowout in that range just because the Eagles, God, they have three solid running backs. One, I think Kenneth Gainwell is way underrated. Uh, not only the running game but the passing game. Two amazing wide receivers and a great tight end and a dual threat quarterback. I so I think the Chiefs are going to struggle to to handle all of that. But yeah, no, I think the I don't think the Chiefs' defense is nearly as bad as their statistics made them out, and I think they're hot at the right time. Yeah. By the way, interestingly, both teams are below five hundred against the spread this year. That is pretty interesting, actually. It is. Chiefs are seven and twelve against <laughs> the spread. And the Eagles are eight and nine against the spread, despite both of them basically being fourteen and three in the regular season. Yeah, I'm I, again. I'm excited about this game. I think it could be either team. I don't think it's lopsided at all. Looking at some of these props, guys, I just I'll throw a few quick fires at you here. Some that seem very interesting: the receiving yards props, t- testing the Chiefs' defense a little bit. What are your thoughts on Devontae Smith over 61 and a half and AJ Brown over 71 and a half? Because on the playbook on Better Sports Network, we're doing a little prop draft here. And I actually took the over on 61 and a half, thinking the targets are going to be there for Smith once again and that he's going to be able to get the yardage. And he could certainly do it knowing him on three plays. Um I'm more likely to to do Devonta Smith over 61 and a half than AJ Brown over 71 and a half. Right. So you're saying I picked the right one then. I think a lot of it comes down to Snead. If if he plays, if he doesn't play, I like both the overs. 
I think AJ Brown is also kind of the the vein of the Odell Beckham kind of guys who like the big stage. He wants to light up, uh, and, and he. I mean, if you think Devonta Smith can do it in three catches, AJ Brown can do it in two. Uh, so I, I think that I think there's a really good chance of both of them being over. The other reason, you know, Jalen Hurts did not light up the scoreboard in passing yards this year, but after those two. And obviously Goddard, it's not like there's other wide receivers to throw to. It's not like you know, the Chiefs have four, five, six guys that they throw the ball to. Quest Watkins is their third receiver. What do you have, 19 catches this year? I mean, there's there's not a lot outside of those two guys, which is a lot of the reason I like the overs. In fairness, in the NFC Championship game, Jalen Hurts threw it to seven different dudes, but only two of them had more than three targets. Like Dallas Goddard had six, and A.J. Brown had eight and then Devonta Smith was at three but his three targets with two catches produced he he led the Eagles in receiving yards with 36 one catch the other one was <laughs> I knew it I was waiting for that <laughs> I, <laughs> I, oh. I mean that's fair his way is actually I'm, I'm only we're gonna be honestly we're gonna be able to see every single angle including the angles we don't want to see of these players in this game let me tell you you're gonna yeah. be seeing questionable catches all of a sudden, you're going to be seeing quick highlight packages of different angles of the review. That that can't happen again, what happened in the NFC Championship. I mean, when the guy gets up and he's like, run the play really fast, that's not an indication to anyone that probably he didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah, I know. If, the, right? if the, only, the guy who caught it is like, oh, let's do this really fast, I mean, that maybe it's your first clue that he knows so he didn't catch what it. So, like, what was that? In the NFC Championship game, too, one of the guys made a play, and you could see the offense was hurrying, and Romo was like, I think they should review this every time they hurry. It's like they're not in a hurry-up spot. It's not a two-minute drill. They have timeouts. Like Every time they hurry, it should suggest you should challenge. Ryan, what was your – because I believe this game aired still during dry January for you. Yes, it did. So yes, it did. I got to ask you then, what was your reaction when you saw – that play, and then all of a sudden the broadcast is questioning it a little bit. Were, were you flipping out? Were you standing up at the TV? Did you I, think it was a catch? I, I did, and, you know, I saw the thing with Smith, and I saw him hurrying up, and, you know, in my head I thought what I just said, but I I have a lot of faith in the, in the Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff, so I'm like, all right, so maybe they didn't see something. And then later on, and, of course, I was, you know, pissed because then they went and scored a touchdown – but later on, someone was like, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, was like, you know, you have to at least challenge it. First half timeouts aren't any, you know, as important as second half timeouts. And I'm like, makes a lot of sense, you know, between that and the guys. So at the time, I was just upset. And obviously, once you saw it, then, you know, you're mad. And then two seconds later, my quarterback's elbow got torn off. So it really didn't matter after that. But at the time of the play, I wasn't that upset, no. But later on, when I thought about it more, I was like, yeah, damn, they probably should have challenged that. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> so, but let's go the other angle on the receiving stuff. Are we fully trusting Jalen Hurts' shoulder? I haven't seen any reason not to in the last two weeks. Right. I mean, he hasn't had to use it is the point. Like, what happens when he has to use it? I'm sure he's keeping it loose. You have to be thinking that he's keeping it loose somehow. Oh, I don't think he's sitting there with it, like, in a sling, and then he's going to unsling, like, <laughs> You know, it's not like rookie of the year where the tendons come back too tight, you know? It's, or the guy who shows up in the wheelchair at the WWE deal and, like, you know, 
we with, don't the, have, with Kevin Nash and then he stands up. Yeah, from the we don't have a Willis Reed moment coming, right? Like here comes Willis. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying, like, he hasn't been forced to throw 30 or 35 times to keep up with an offense. Like he can use like what happens if the legs don't move the ball as well as they think and they get into long situations. Uh and he has to throw, and now you're talking he's throwing it 30 times. Are we trusting that his, that he can do that? Think of it's, a, it's a Super Bowl. <laughs> they got a right. You're all I, at this point. I mean, sure, it's the same logic in the World Series. Like, you've got no more innings to throw for another. Yeah, uh, I mean, if like, you telling me 50 times, uh, you know, 30 times, yeah, I... I We'll see. I, I think I, – I don't think he – they'll. I don't even know if that they would stop running, I mean, unless they got maybe behind three touchdowns. But they're really effective running the ball. Uh, so I don't know. I think they would have to get down pretty significantly to abandon running the ball. It's, kind, it's really a lot of what they do. I mean, yeah. And by the way, in the two playoff games, Hertz has thrown it 24 and 25 times, but he still only topped out at 150-something yards. Mahomes' line is at 38 and a half for pass attempts. I was I've been watching that one too. I would go over. Yeah, I'm thinking he's gonna be in throw mode a lot too. I mean, they don't run it. They they as creative as Andy Reid can get, they don't run the ball. <laughs> like they they just they just don't. I can pull up the um the sheet that I track these things with, but like they during the regular season. Even when they were riding Pacheco, like rushing attempts per game, the Chiefs had 24 and a half rushing attempts per game, which ranked 25th in the league in the regular season. The Eagles had 32, which ranked third in the league. One of the many reasons why Pacheco's rushing yards prop on DraftKings is at 48 and a half, and that's it. Yeah, also, by the way, in terms of that uh, passing attempts prop, you want to guess how many times a game the Chiefs passed it in the regular season on average? I'm going to guess 42. 38.3. Wow. <laughs> that line is sitting right on their seasonal average. <laughs> it's Vegas. Total, I mean, you're right. They don't run as much here. That's I'm sitting here saying that I'm thinking there's going to be points scored in this game. It's going to be Mahomes. Mahomes engineering that over for me if I want to go that direction. I mean, Mahomes threw it 43 times in the AFC Championship game. Right. We'll have have to see what happens there. We'll have to see. Well, Ryan, you were talking about the game that you actually went part of it, creating FantasyAlarm.com here because people could get involved and they could win prizes here. I don't know if this is what you want to bring to the family table but you are the mastermind behind a way for some of our family members to win the Super Bowl as well. That's right. The uh, Fantasy Alarm Big Game Contest. Go to FantasyAlarm.com slash Big Game. I believe there's 32 prop questions and then a tiebreaker. Uh, the winner is the 250 bucks. Second place, a year subscription. Third place, a three-month subscription, which can turn into a lot of money if you play it right with our, our advice. Uh, so yeah, go out and check that out. we got a good number of people in there so far, but, uh, more the merrier and, and show that you got, uh, 
you know, you know what's going to happen. It's all the classics. You know, the coin toss is in there. Halftime is in there. Gatorade is in there. Lots of game game props to like I'm sure Mahomes. I don't remember them off the top of my head, even though I created it. Uh, You know, Mahomes passing yards, hurts rushing yards. Did you include any Jackson Mahomes props? Oh God, no! <laughs> I saw some other video of him the other day. Good Lord! He would have, if somebody had sent him one of those questions, he would have office spaced his computer. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> and we have the fun ones like what's going to be the first car commercial, the first beer commercial, the first sports book commercial that we've gotten to that point now. The so. number of times Patrick Mahomes is, or Jackson Mahomes is shown on camera during the game. Uh, Put the line at three and a half. <laughs> his wife has shown more than his brother. They're probably sitting together. God, could you imagine that stupid conversation? <laughs> Dear God. Oh boy, that, that'll be fun. There, three and a half is the line for that. All right, Ryan, what are you bringing to the table? Uh, you know, it's kind of it's something we don't think about a lot. I know it's in a lot of our articles, uh, but we talk a lot about the fun in the Super Bowl. But just remember, bet within your means. Don't go crazy. Betting, you know, money you don't have or can't afford to lose, uh, you know, especially don't with the Super Bowl. <laughs> don't pay your taxes. A lot of a lot of these are are you're betting on a coin toss. Like, don't be dumb. Just bet smart. Bet for fun. Bet a couple dollars just to get. You know, if you win ten dollars, that's exciting. You know, don't don't be crazy this week. As much as we all like talking about betting, and that's become a lot of what this industry revolves around. Be smart. When you said before that the winner of the Fantasy Alarm Big Game Contest gets $250, I started all of a sudden growing hair back on top of my head for the first time in 18 years. So that's what gets me sice, man. $250, i will take it, bro. There you go. Enter up, man. Yeah. See, and that's the big thing, too, because we talk about the coin toss being part of the questionnaire that you're going to fill out when you sign up for the Big Game Contest. But when you're betting on it, there's no skill in that. There's a right. difference between gambling and wagering. Wagering to me is a calculated bet. We can find a trend that just makes sense. We see past statistics and something like the coin toss. There's no advantage. You're putting your money and it's being held hostage above you and you're tempting fate. Yes, it's a 50-50 chance, but there's no skill in that. You don't other, know. Like, Sills, you're like the Schwab. Is there any skill whatsoever in betting the coin toss? Like, the frequency or the, like, minor weight differences between one side? There's none of that, right? It doesn't no, even if, matter. Like, can't but, even look at the pass because it has nothing to do with what happens right. on Sunday. Every coin toss is an individual event. So even if, even if you say, oh, it's been heads eight times in a row. Okay. It doesn't. It literally does not matter statistically what the past one is because every coin toss, like every roll of the dice, is an independent event. So therefore, statistically, the past has no basis for what's going to happen in the future. I can say that odds are if you flip a coin 100 times, you will almost assuredly get a 50-50 or very close to 50-50 split. If you want to sit there and flip one 100 times in a row, go for it. But statistically... You're just as likely to bet two bucks on both sides of it just to cover the other bet. And then that's pointless. Don't gamble. Don't gamble. Stop gambling. Well, not on your money. I mean, well, that's the thing. That's a gamble right there. Player prop or 
pick the line of the game if you're going to do it. And again, don't do it with money you don't have. Don't go, right. Ooh, I just got my tax return. Let's go. No, that's a stupid idea. That's that's a terrible, terrible idea to do. Put that in savings or pay off stuff you've been, or just go with your plan for whatever you were going to do with that. Don't bet money you don't have. Don't bet your mortgage. Don't bet rent. Don't bet food money. Don't bet egg money, for God's sakes. <laughs> like, and we and we talk a lot of wagering here, and and especially on yeah. the site as well, and in a lot of our podcasts and everything. And that's just we do that because that's the direction sports has gone with the legalization of sports gambling. But that doesn't mean we're sitting here on our fat stacks of cash betting the thousand dollars every game. For me personally, and I'll be honest, most of my bets. What I don't I don't bet a lot. I talk a lot of NBA player props. I'm not betting all those player props. There's suggestions. And then I bet maybe one or two of them or three max. That's I max myself because I want to be able to build my bankroll slowly when it comes to that. It's the DFS mentality as well. So when we're talking about all these, all this wagering and the line and everything like that to get perspective, we're not sitting there putting $100 bets here like that. It's no laser show with that. So we're making calculated risks with our money. The stupid coin toss is not that. That is you putting your money. It's not. It's not at all. People just want to get involved and have fun. That's not fun to me. I don't want to suggest that. There's no nothing that we can do, no research that proves otherwise. Agreed. If you want to bet things, bet the ones that are backed by research. This guy has this many yards. Statistically, these people give up. And even then, it's a gamble because you don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. Do hurt and no, they won't refund your money on an injury. So please stop asking them to do it on Twitter. <laughs> I'm flipping. Hey, this guy got hurt. Can I refund all my Niners bets? No. That's the chance you take when you freaking gamble. Right. Like, if you're not comfortable with that, don't gamble. Sorry. That's the way it goes. And speaking of taking a gamble on things, and this is where I'll flow right into what I'm bringing to the family table. NBA, Thursday, because we're recording today on Wednesday, Thursday, the NBA trade deadline passes in the mid-afternoon. A lot of players could be in transit. The next this, uh, the storm, the storm could be coming. But what that also indicates as well is you're going to see a lot of lesser-known players have short-term value. And I love hanging with you all in the Fantasy Alarm NBA Discord. I really do. I love talking basketball with everybody. I'll talk basketball with anybody. But here's the thing. If you're thinking of dropping one of your stud multi-category producers off your team for maybe a guy who for two games sees his minutes boosted to 30 to 35, maybe scores over 20 points while players that were traded from their team are in transit and players being returned to their team are in transit. Don't drop your star players for the nice piece of shiny new toy. It's not the shiny new toy. It's deceiving you. It's fake. It's the value will completely deceive you because those rotations will start to settle in again to the players that were traded for, unless you know that that player is going to be waived. So an example, don't drop someone like Draymond Green, for instance. Not like you would, but don't drop a Draymond Green if the Warriors got themselves, if the Warriors traded part of their team away or anything, or somebody else traded part of their team away, and all of a sudden Wes Matthews becomes very valuable for a few games. 
Don't get fooled. I feel like I'm going to be talking to a lot of people about, hey, just hang in there. I know we're seeing the production. You want the production. You need it. You got to still be patient because between this and the all-star break, you're going to see rotations start to reset a little bit. Look for those trends. Look for the minutes. Look for the consistency. You want to see 20 minutes at least, at minimum, for a true rotation commitment. This is my opinion. That's a true rotation commitment to me. I'm seeing some guy play 30 minutes for two games and then goes back down. That's not long-term value. That's a bad trend. Unlike the coin toss for the Super Bowl, which has absolutely no trends whatsoever. This does. So just be mindful and don't drop and don't overthink it with your fantasy basketball teams. You fought this hard already. We're almost there. Let's stick together. And if you need any help, just hit me up in the Fantasy Alarm NBA Discord. I'm serious. I'll talk basketball with anyone. I freaking love I would brush my teeth to that crap. I love talking NBA with anyone, and not enough people love talking NBA. Talk to me. I'll help. Sells well, your turn. That was passionate. Uh, I will talk NASCAR and F1 with anybody. if they. If, if, uh, <laughs> yes, you will. Uh, NASCAR season is coming up. We just had the clash, or as it was known, bumper cars in the Coliseum. Um, and after the Super Bowl, Daytona 500 rolls around, and then we're going, folks. We get one weekend off. It's Father's Day weekend in June. Get one weekend off between February 19th and, like, November 6th. So we... Two, actually. Well, the all-star race. We Thank make you. You tell people it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. Like, it. Like I mean, to the guy that wins it and gets a million-dollar check, I'm sure it matters. That's a pretty nice check. Um, and the team gets some money and the crew chief or the crew, you know, pit crew guys get some money. Uh, but for DFS, it's a crapshoot like the clash was basically. Um, so, you know, okay. Two weekends, but whatever. It's two weekends off between February 19th and like November 6th. And, um, Dan Malin and myself are back. We got the podcast. We got playbooks for trucks, Xfinity cup series. We got core plays, uh, coming, which by the way, the year we had the core plays two years ago. Uh, we were rolling. We had people winning like thousands of dollars every week for the first, like for a huge chunk of the season. Um, and it started with me hitting on Daytona. So I have a read for that place. You should probably check out my content. Uh, it's coming the week after the Super Bowl. We got betting pieces on picks wise for cup and F1, uh, stuff. And by the way, rules for betting NASCAR, don't bet like, don't bet props, just Bet outright winners, because uh, everything in NASCAR is a crapshoot. So don't go nuts every week. Bet a couple of bets every week. Um, and yes, for those of you that wonder how you can be like, I see this on Twitter all the time with some of my friends in the betting NASCAR community who, like last year, went like eighteen and sixty on their bets and they finished up sixty-five units. They're like, how could that possibly be true? Because NASCAR winners pay a lot more than anything else. Like the favorite to win the Daytona 500 right now is going off at plus 1200. That's the favorite. Okay. For a normal NASCAR race, the favorite typically goes off at about plus 300 and everybody else falls in line. So if you hit a guy like Eric Amarola at New Hampshire two years ago, who I hit going off at plus 8,000, which is 80 to one. If you bet six other bets that week and you hit the 80 to one guy, you make money and you go one in six on your bets. That's how, because NASCAR odds, odds are huge. 
Um, so we've got that rolling out for you. We got baseball draft guide content still coming out. Colby and I are going to have another podcast out uh, next week. We've got a whole bunch of stuff. I got prospect ranking updates happening all throughout the year. Dynasty ranking stuff. Um, so yeah, we got we got a whole lot of stuff coming. NASCAR and baseball season are getting going here, and um, they don't really stop until like the fall. So you're here with me all year. That's how it works. Yes. Absolutely. Like it or not, you're stuck with Matt Sells and Dan Malin when it comes to NASCAR. By the way, Dan Malin is going to have a very nice, when it comes to his bankroll sells, if it's pretty hefty, you could he can thank the Royal Rumble Pool for that. Guy <laughs> slayed the Royal Rumble Pool. Won more money in that than I think anyone has ever won in a single Royal Rumble Pool. And I've been doing this thing for seven years. So Dan Malin, if you're listening, Mazel Tov and congratulations. Just wow. Amazing. Ryan Helm, give him a follow on Twitter at Fighting Chance. Give Matt Sells a follow at The Sellsman. You're truly, yours truly at Fenske Sports. And as we always say, a family that sticks together, wins together. Enjoy the Super Bowl.